This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, the congressional district map that was redrawn during the Alabama special legislative session that was held this past summer has now been rejected by a three-judge panel in federal court. That court is now referring the redrawing effort to a court-appointed cartographer and special master to redraw all of those districts. The effort to redraw Alabama's congressional districts was all part of a decision made by the same three judges that Alabama required a second district with majority of voters being minorities in order to fulfill the Voting Rights Act. Three judges concluded that the state legislature will not be given an opportunity to adjust the map that they drew any further due to time constraints before the 2024 election. Alabama's congressional members and state lawmakers are now reacting to the court's decision. Republican Congressman Jerry Carl called those three judges activists who are thwarting the will of the elected state legislature. Democrat Congresswoman Terry Sewell praised the decision by the judges, calling it another victory for black voters. Republican Congressman Robert Adderholt believes that the congressional map will ultimately land before the U.S. Supreme Court for final approval, and Alabama House Speaker Nathaniel Ledbetter expressed frustration at the judges for rejecting the work done by the state legislature, which Ledbetter maintains was done under very vague guidelines given out by those same three judges on how to achieve the requirements that they placed on the state lawmakers. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall is talking about the fact that the U.S. Department of Justice has blocked his efforts to obtain communications and records belonging to Assistant Secretary of Health Rachel Levine. Levine, by the way, is a transgender woman, which is a biological man who believes that he's a woman. Marshall maintains that those records from Levine are essential, and he talked about it on Newsmax. It all has to do with the state law that is now going into place here in Alabama that prohibits puberty blockers, hormone therapy, or transgender surgery from being done to those under the age of 19. Getting these records is obviously essential to us and being able to push back against the United States government who made the affirmative decision to be able to intervene in our case. And if they believe what we're doing is wrong, we have a right to be able to challenge that. Governor Ivey is now weighing in on the months-long battle here in Alabama between parents and their local library boards, as well as the Alabama Library Association. Ivy is now seeking answers from the Alabama Public Library Service for appointing the directors of these libraries throughout the state, many of which are now siding with the American Library Association in refusing to pull or relocate sexually explicit books that have been placed within the children or teen sections of the libraries. The director of the Alabama Public Library Service is Nancy Pack, and Ivy sent a letter to Pack asking for answers to the level of partnership that the APLS has with the American Library Association and whether the APLS is adhering to the ALA protocol and guidelines on the placement of books. Ivy included specific examples of sexually explicit or LGBTQ-themed language that was found in the children's books in the letter that she sent to PAC. The governor concluded by saying that the inclusion of these books in the library system makes her question if that system is fulfilling its mission. The APLS board has until September 13th to respond to the governor's questions. State lawmaker Susan DeBose is calling out the Alabama Library Association for being just as woke as the American Library Association, which is currently being directed by a lesbian Marxist, Emily Durinsky. DeBose spoke with Phil Williams on Right Side Radio just weeks after she wrote an opinion piece for 1890 News about the toxic nature of the ALA in pushing inappropriate books on children and teens. So what the, what the American Library Association, or the, even the Alabama Library Association, came out and said recently is that, um, you know, they really, their goal is to get to our kids. And um, 
their goals, okay, here's one of them, A-L-L-A, we reject past, current, and future efforts to remove access to materials from consenting readers. <laughs> okay, so what is a consenting reader? Yeah. A consenting reader to the A-L-L-A is every human being. Now, minors, in our opinion, you know, they cannot give consent That's to right. what they read. That's right. Parents decide what minors read, but not in the eyes of the library. Every child gets to choose what they want to read. Now, I, I have a real problem with that. And they think, and this is another quote, library workers are trained to curate collections that are designed to be inclusive. And then they go on to say, and our ethical responsibilities are to uphold First Amendment rights of the Constitution. Well, your First Amendment right does not include obscene material. That's right. You need to know that. The Code of Alabama has the Anti-Obscenity Enforcement Act. So libraries don't have a right to everything. They don't. They want to think that they do, but they do not. Starting this Wednesday until the weekend, firefighters from across the country will be in Hoover, Alabama, to compete in the 2023 Firefighter Challenge Championship. Several local firefighters from the Birmingham area are also taking part in these competitions. Hoover Fire Chief Clay Bentley says that these types of challenges help promote the value of physical fitness within firefighter departments. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, well, the summer break is over for you as Congress members and already Republicans are talking about impeaching President Joe Biden upon their return to D.C., New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney spoke on Newsmax saying it's got to be done. We must impeach President Biden. We can do the inquiry, put all the evidence together. The evidence is there in plain sight, as I've said over and over. If we don't impeach Biden, we could stand to lose uh, this next coming up, upcoming election and never take back our country and lose what we have as a constitution, self-governance and freedom. I think it's essential that we get together as Republicans. We've passed other difficult issues. I think once all the, the evidence comes out, I don't think enough senators uh, are going to be able to hide behind uh, what's going to come out as evidence against Joe Biden uh, through his proxy, his son, Hunter. Uh, let's hope that Chuck Schumer uh, allows this to come to the floor in the Senate once we pass in the House. Meanwhile, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee has already started out this week with issuing subpoenas to the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Secret Service. This involves claims from whistleblowers that both agencies sought to block any criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. Chairman James Comer says the Department of Justice was the first to initiate the Biden family cover-up, with DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas joining in and becoming complicit as well. The subpoenas are to compel Mayorkas to hand over documents and communications related to the Biden transition team back in 2021 and how they were advised about an investigation already underway into Hunter Biden's foreign business deals and tax evasion. The director of the Secret Service, Kimberly Cheadle, is also required to provide similar documents. Former President Donald Trump has responded to a question about the COVID-19 vaccines that were released shortly after he left the White House. The COVID-19 vaccines were all part of Trump's Operation Warp Speed initiative to get ahead of the COVID-19 virus. Trump responded to Tudor Dixon on her podcast out of Michigan on information regarding the side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. So that we can see what they're actually seeing about the side effects of this vaccine. Well, they should do that. You know, we're all in this together and they should be doing that. Anything new has got to be looked at very carefully. But they should be doing that if they have facts. I mean, the facts are public 
they should be made public immediately. People should understand that, and they should they should know what research is is showing and what fact finding is. You know, this is now after the case. And do you believe that we should be starting a new vaccine at this yeah, point? They have to let look. They have to be honest with the numbers, the facts. They, they have an obligation to be honest and. If they are going to hold back, that means they're holding back something that's not good. And they have to, any information, they have to release it. Well, there are some strange times in Texas these days as the state legislature there is beginning impeachment hearings against their most conservative attorney general, Ken Paxton. Paxton has been willing to challenge the Biden administration for government overreach in several areas, including during the COVID-19 crisis. The Texas Senate opened an impeachment trial against Paxton after the Texas House voted to proceed with impeachment before the summer break. The vote for that impeachment comes after Paxton accused the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, of being drunk while conducting business within the Capitol building. Paxton called on Phelan to resign for leading the State House with debilitating intoxication. The impeachment charges against Paxton include bribery charges, unfitness for office, and abuse of the public's trust. The Senate will need a two-thirds vote to remove Paxton from office. Paxton says the actions of the Texas House were illegal and unethical, and he hopes for a swift resolution in the Texas Senate. And Florida Senator Marco Rubio has released a 40-page report this week that reveals the decrease in male labor within the U.S. workforce, with many of the 7 million able-bodied men dropping out of the job search entirely and sitting on the sidelines. The report by Rubio is called The State of the Working and Non-Working Man. Rubio lists multiple reasons for this growing problem, from deindustrialization to the rise of the service economy, welfare and disability traps, and mass immigration. That last category has been supported recently by job statistics from the U.S. Department of Labor showing a million U.S.-born citizens losing their jobs or leaving their jobs this past summer, with 700,000 foreign-born workers getting jobs and stepping into that role at the very same time. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 